I sent my oldest son off to a youth retreat this weekend. He was hours away. And like at any time when I'm not with him, I really missed him. But with that great distance and for those several days, I was really feeling the disconnect. I'm so glad that he had his gab phone along. I was able to send him a quick text each evening to ask about his day and to tell him that I was praying for him. Have you heard of these things? The gab phones? That's gab, G-A-B-B. They look and feel a lot like a smartphone, but they aren't connected to the internet in any way. A user can call, they can text, take pictures, and even listen to music, but that's about it. With the Gab phone, I had peace of mind knowing that I could get a hold of my son all weekend, but that he didn't have access to the internet. And most importantly, the internet didn't have access to him. He wasn't scrolling social media or being sent shady photos from total strangers. He wasn't wasting time playing video games or being taken advantage of by cyber stalkers. If you too are interested in purchasing a regular cell phone that looks and feels like a smartphone for your kids, you can grab 30% off a Gab phone or a Gab watch right now. Head to GabWireless.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's capital letters. M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M. So once again, go to gabwireless.com and use promo code mom to mom Welcome to the mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Isn't it on the heart of every woman that she feels unprepared for motherhood at some point or another? And when we are faced with the reality, we have a child who is struggling and has special needs, we come face to face with letting go of the reality that we may never know what is a normal experience that other moms have. Moms with a child who have very special needs faces her own set of normal circumstances every day that may set them apart from her friends' schedules, their lives, their experiences, and she may face loneliness, lack of confidence, exhaustion, and fear. Special needs moms don't want to make it all about themselves. They are the truest of champions for their child and children, and they are often feeling alone in the journey to an experience no one can or did prepare them for. Sometimes the things we can't change end up changing us. I read this quote the other day, and it really impressed on my heart how this applies to so many situations in life. But for the mom raising a child different by design, this rings true throughout their every day and every choice of learning how to live their best version of motherhood for themselves, their child, and for the Lord. Knowing many moms with special needs children, I have learned this from them. A diagnosis cannot predict the extraordinary love you will have for your child. So today we welcome a guest we know has a life story that has changed her life and thousands of women are encouraged daily by her journey in motherhood. Kate, Jamie, and I are honored to have our guest, Lisa Jacobson, with us today on the podcast to share encouragement for the mom listening and walking through a special journey in their motherhood as well. Lisa is the wife to Matt Jacobson, as well as the mother to eight children, ages ranging 15 to 27. 
and together they live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, where her husband is the pastor of a thriving home church. You can find Lisa sharing her passion for her husband, her home, and her family at her blog, club31women.com. And I'm going to let Lisa introduce herself a little bit more um, about her podcast and the books that she's shared. Um, but today we are talking about being a mom of a special needs child. And Alisa uh, is going to share a little bit of her story with you as our listeners. And um, I just want to introduce you and welcome Lisa to our podcast today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here and getting to talk with everybody. So Lisa, can you share a little bit of your story with our listeners um, so they kind of know um, who you are and a little bit of your background? Okay. Well, I've been married for almost uh, 29 years, and my husband and I have been involved in Christian publishing and ministry pretty much our whole marriage. But And then about uh, 10 years ago, we started a, I started a blog, Club 31 Women, and then a few years later, he started FaithfulMan.com. So we both enjoy ministering just to families and, and specifically, I think what our heart is just to connect biblical truths with just practical daily application. So sometimes, you know, we, we embrace, like, I know we're supposed to love one another. I know we're supposed to be, speak the truth in love, but then what does that look like on a Tuesday afternoon? I think sometimes that's the part that, that, that we, we can struggle with. And so that's our, I think if we were going to pick one thing that we really get excited about, it's, it's that connecting and helping others connect those, um, just those practical applications. So, and um, so we've written a number of books helping marriage and parenting, probably our best known are the hundred ways to love your husband and 100 ways to love your wife. And, um, but we also have a set for children as well. 100 ways to love your son and 100 ways to love your daughter. So, and we have a podcast, Faithful Life podcast, where we just talk about these, these very things, just those specific topics about um, how do I forgive in marriage? How do I speak words of affirmation to my child? Those are the kinds of things we like to cover. Good. Those are good. Those are good. And I have a few of your books, so I know that um, they're excellent. So I'd encourage our readers to go to your website and find those or find your podcast. But we invited you also here today um, to share your story that um, you have a, a daughter that you love so much. And I read a few of your blogs on this and I follow you on Instagram, which I love. And you have a daughter with special needs. And I know we have a lot of listeners who write us and they want to know how to navigate through this as a mom and how to be um, a good good story to the Lord with their time, but the discouragement that they feel. So we thought... Um, if you could just share your story about your daughter and uh, we'll talk about some of the things that some of the moms ask us here in the podcast. Okay. So uh, I had four children and then I got pregnant with our fifth child uh, we had a boy and then three girls. And then when this fifth baby was born, she, I just suddenly went into premature labor and had an emergency C-section, never dreaming that there was anything different or wrong other than this premature labor but it turned out soon after she was born, it was obvious that there was a, a deep concern. And what we pieced together later was that she had had a stroke in utero, which is very uncommon. It's very rare and they don't know why or what. So it, it was a shock in many ways. We weren't prepared for that. Um, but in some ways I felt like the Lord prepared our hearts too. Like I actually remember driving along with Matt while I was pregnant with his baby and turning to him and saying, kind of out of the blue, I said, you know, we've always had these healthy pregnancies and beautiful babies, but it might not always be that way. And, you know, and he goes, I know that. And we will, we would walk through that if that ever 
you know, came to us. And so I felt like that was really the Lord's gracious, very gentle way of preparing for something that was otherwise unexpected. And when our Avonlea was born, she, um, it was a, uh, it was a huge brain bleed. They did not think she would live. And the doctors just sat down with us and said, you know, if this baby lives, she will, she won't walk. She won't talk. She won't know you as your, you know, as her mom. And so we cried, you know, we sobbed. And then my husband just got down by my hospital bed. Um, I was still recovering from surgery. And he just said, we're going to thank the Lord for this baby and the gift that she is. Mm -hmm. And it was out of faith. Like I don't, it wasn't that we were so spiritual. It was literally just a sacrifice of faith. And mm -hmm. uh, I said, okay, I will, I will agree with you on this, but it's going to take my heart a little bit to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. So the beginning was, was really rough. The first few years, she, she was on a heart and breath monitor and she would stop breathing and her heart would drop rate would drop every night, sometimes 15 times a night, sometimes 40 times a night. And, and every time we'd have to jump up, go over there and resuscitate her, get her going again for several years. It was just like that. We were just hanging on by a thread really. But in all of that hardship, there was so much, um, there was a lot of joy too. the way our children loved her and, um, took care of her and how we all recognize just the fragility of life. I think there's something really beautiful about that to know that that life is, is really a gift and that we can receive it for whatever, however long we have and for whatever that even might look like. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of how, um, uh, the other thing I remember, one other thing is that we always called, we told the kids that this was their special sister and, you mm -hmm. know, people are there referred to her as our special girl and which mm -hmm. I love that. I, I think that's a beautiful name yes. for it. Um, but I also remember when our daughter who we, they just, they received her just like she was one of theirs. Like they never seemed to notice all her cords or all mm -hmm. the tubing. Like, it's just like, it wasn't, it didn't bother them at all. But um, so it was a probably a year later when we were talking, they said, Oh, when is she going to walk? And when is she going to talk? And we said, well, she's not going to probably do those things. Mm -hmm. And our daughter, who was about nine at the time, just said, that doesn't sound very special to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, does it? Mm -hmm. And so we had a really good, hard conversation about, in this context, mm -hmm. what special means. So mm -hmm. I, I, I um, thought often about that. And um, yeah. when we talk about special kids, it's we love them, but that mm -hmm. special is a, it's a tough thing too. So I have a friend, Lisa, who ha had a similar story. Her baby was born um, basically on life support and was in and out of pediatrics for the duration of his 18 months. And he did pass away at 18 months. She had three older kids at the time. And one of the criticisms that I heard as her friend that I just pray that she never had to hear was... Um, people who questioned what that would do to her other kids and what kind of parent she could be to them when this one child demanded so much of her. Can you speak to that? Do you see some of the, you know, obviously your daughter's um, much older now. Yeah. She's almost 21. Yeah. So you've seen some of the longevity in their relationship between the siblings 
Can you speak to perhaps um, the voice of the naysayers? Oh, okay. Um, it is a challenge when you're when you have to put so much into your special needs child. However, it was a conscious choice that we did make that we didn't want our other kids to feel like um, that she demanded all of our attention and um, and to divide that carefully. But another thing we tried to do is we tried to include our kids in her care. They too fed her um, with us. They got to hold her. They uh, shared a room to like everybody else shared a room. So there are a lot of things we tried to do to, in, to include our kids in that. And, um, and I would say my husband and I did a lot of more divide and conquer than ever so that our kids had that that kind of care and attention and activities that maybe Avonlea prevented us from being able to do or to have. And so, and you know, when you really think about it, you think, oh, the Lord gave us this. He gave us this child. He gave us all these other children. So if he called us to this, then he will equip and prepare us for that. And we all get to give a little extra, but we also are blessed so much by her. Mm. Um, I've asked our older kids many times. I've said, you know, once you, when you think back, you know, do you have any regrets? Do you have any um, resentment? And they've just said, no, we just, she was just part of our family. It's just what we did. And, and they love her to pieces. They, they still call and they'll FaceTime her for half an hour and just talk to her. So um, it can be done, but, it, but prayerfully and, and often sacrificially really. Mm -hmm. And I can see in my friend's um, family with her older siblings that some of that sanctifying work, that building of character wouldn't have happened without the gift that that baby was. And that was part of the blessing of his life that, you know, his older siblings um, were stretched in ways God, God stretched them in ways they never would have been stretched and grew them in their faith and in their love for one another. And you can't, bottle that or package it mm -hmm. up in any way. No. Well, I could just think you, you want your kids to have compassionate hearts, right? And, and it's hard to teach compassion to children. And yet here was a wonderful opportunity because they were living with it and they were seeing her tears. They, they understood her, um, the things that held her back. And so it, it, I didn't have to teach it. It was, it was part of our lives. So you're right. There's so many things like that, that, mm -hmm. um, there were a, a wonderful opportunity and our, our kids do look at it that way as well. They do consider that, um, as, as a, as a joy that they get to enjoy. I think probably you could attest to the fact that when, um, your life changed probably for a while there, I mean, now you're in a position where you have a good routine and everything's a little bit more calm. Um, she's older, but for a mom that is just bringing a special needs child home from the hospital or in the first formative years, and maybe they don't even have a good support system or a spouse that is acceptant accepting or a family and they're doing this by themselves, I'm thinking it probably radically alters their life and they feel quite alone. And maybe you even feel alone when you have a good support system, because you're probably changing so much of the activities you used to do. Um, and so I, can you speak to the mom and maybe to the moms who aren't in this position to help them come along moms with special needs, children to support them in the loneliness and the perseverance and the day-to-day -day struggles. And I don't mean just the physical part where you come in to help, but the, 
the moments where they're alone and they're doing this and they're knowing their friends and the church community and everyone is living their life and um, they're not. So that's a great question. I love actually talking about this because um, there isn't a, always a lot of opportunity to do that. Um, I think as a special needs mom, the, the burden is really more on us to communicate what we need and being willing to reach out, which is so hard when you're already feeling overwhelmed, then to have to do the extra work of saying, could you help me with this or helping other people understand what your life is really like? Because um, we can assume, we mean now as a special needs mom, that people know what it is that we're dealing with, but they, they usually don't. And I even think of this very recently, um, we, in our church setting, uh, there was a family that's been with us for several years. And I think we went out to dinner with them and we said, okay, we have to be back by 7.30 because we have to take Avalanche to the bathroom. And so we can't be out that long. And she just had this moment after having been with us for so many years, she just said, oh, it's like having a nursing infant. Like you can't be gone for more than four hours. I said, mm. yeah, that's, and I thought, oh, I, I would have thought you would have known that. Like, did, didn't mm. you know that we have to take her to the bathroom? Like, isn't that obvious? But it wasn't obvious. And so I realized for my part, I, I could do a better job of saying this is, you know, these are some of the parameters without making a big deal about it, but these are some of the things that I get to work with. And when you're around a special needs mom and you're around their special kids, you're usually seeing them probably at their best. They're probably clean. They're probably hopefully, you know, fed and at their happiest. And so you, you might not recognize the challenges that go on all night long or throughout the day. And so that's something to, to ask the mom about, like, what are some, what do you find some of your biggest challenges or what is a way that I could help? And sometimes as a mom, you feel like, um, well, I don't know what you could do because I'm the one that has to, to do this. Um, but sometimes you can, you know, get creative. First of all, I would just say you can, I would pray for me. I always will, I'm always grateful for prayers, but also there's little things that you could do. Like, um, I was just noticing last Sunday at church, um, one of the moms came over and sat with my daughter at lunchtime. So it would free me up so I could go sit with the other ladies for lunch. Mm. And we have, a, we have a meal together at our church. So I loved that. I just, I thought, you know what, that is ministering to me when you're, when you see that, hmm, this would help, you know, free her up for just a little bit. And, mm -hmm. and it did. Mm. And um, another thing that comes to mind is also, um, I've heard a lot of special, uh, special needs moms talk about this. And I've, I have felt this way too, because we don't know what to say or what to do. There's a, there's a inclination to just not say anything or even to avoid um, that the child. And so this came to mind when I have another um, family in our church community and they just adopted a special needs child from India. And of course now I've had some experience. So for me, it wasn't off-putting, but I said, do you mind if I hold her? And, um, and she, she said, you know, you're the first person that's asked to hold my baby. Now, isn't mm -hmm. holding a baby a pretty, you know, I think we're all kind of, hey, can I hold her? Can, it's a pretty normal thing. But I, yeah. um, I realize you think, well, I don't know what's going to happen. or I don't know what she likes. Well, that's okay. It's, it's better to, to just to reach out and um, communicate to your mom, to the mom, like, hey, you have a beautiful child here. And I want to love on her or him as much as I can. That's, that's good for, you know, good for her. So. Mm, that's such a good reminder, you know, because I think we're just afraid that we could hurt the baby or, you know, what if they do something we don't know what to do. I think that's probably our fear 
you know, gosh, that's a great reminder, Lisa, but how do you support your spouse? How does the mom, the mom or the dad, how, how do they support each other in their, in, in their pain and tenderness? Well, one of the things that the head doctor at the NICU um, said to me just a few weeks into this um, process, he pulled me over in the hall and he said, Hey, I just want you to know that something like 85% of the parents who have a special needs child like this end in divorce. Mm. And I just thought, well, wow. Okay. Thanks for sharing. Like, I don't know why he felt like he needed to share that with me. It's like, I'm just trying to get my head around this first, you know, grief. And now you're, you're adding this other, although the Lord used it for good, because for me, for us, Matt and I talked about it much later. He said, okay, this just made us want to, you know, be all the more aware and be the, all the more to fight for our marriage and yeah. uh, recognizing that. So you're right. It's very real because both parents, they grieve differently and mm-hmm. they handle that stress that comes with it differently. Um, early on, so I was at the hospital with Avonlea for several months and Matt would just commute back and forth with our other kids, come to see me at the hospital, run his business. You know, just, and he was driving me back to the hospital after I'd been home for a little day visit with my other kids. And I was feeling heavy and so I just said, you know, you don't know how I feel. You don't know what I'm going through. You, you know, just unloading the emotional unload. <laughs> he, he's usually very even keel, just like nothing, you know, perturbs him. But this, I can remember gripping the, the, the wheel and just going, you have got to be kidding me. He said, I am carrying this. I'm carrying my kids at home. I'm carrying you. I'm carrying the business. Like, and I realized, oh my goodness, he is hurting. And I could, all I could hear and feel was my own pain and my mm. own. Grief. And just because it looked differently for him, because he expressed it differently, doesn't mean that it's not real. And it was a, a huge, and it, it was, uh, you know, it was a difficult conversation, but I was so thankful for it because it did help me be aware that I, I need to get out of my own pain and grief just a little bit enough to be there for him too. And imagine what it'd be like to be a father and to feel that responsibility in a different way than I felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that um, it's really important to protect your marriage mm-hmm. and um, to look after that and recognize that we need to be together in this. Yeah. And speaking of this, going back to just our very recent topic, that is something that you also might be able to do if, if you do have um, families in your community that have a special needs child, just to offer to sit with a child or care for them if they're comfortable with that so that the parents can go for a walk, mm-hmm. they can have a date night. Because again, a lot of times it's difficult to find somebody that's willing or comfortable to stay with your special needs mm-hmm. kids so that you can have that time. Yeah. Um, it's so good to be able to have a life that's and a relationship that's um that's a part to not always bound up and okay we're doing this thing for our child but we're also remembering that we love each other and we have our own relationship yeah you recently had an instagram post about your husband and how you from afar could watch his tenderness towards your daughter now that she's grown and his care and his burden for her and that resonated with me just as, um, with seven daughters and watching my husband when they have hurt and pain, you know, or a burden that he wants to make sure they're okay or take care of them. And I read that post and it was just so good for you to share that, um, 
I hope other people can find that, that post, because it was, I think it was so spot on for, for any spouse to be able to see the tenderness of the other person and what they feel from afar so that we can, you know, be sensitive to that. I just really enjoyed that. Mm. And we'll be sure to link to that September in the show notes. So if you are listening today and you'd like to read Lisa's heart, um, behind watching her husband, um, shepherd and care for their daughter, you be sure to head on over to the mom to mom podcast.com and, um, grab the link. Imagine the world change that would take place if we moms did the knee bending work of prayer for our homes. If we spent just as much time praying as we do providing perfect childhoods, perfect days, perfect dinners. Our kids need perfection, that's true, but it won't ever be found in us. That's a gift only Jesus can lavish on them. If Kate, September, and I could encourage you in just one thing, it would be prayer. Nothing will be more powerful in the life of your kids and in your relationship with them than bringing them to the throne of the all-powerful one who can move heaven and earth on their behalf. To help direct your thoughts to specific prayer points found in scripture, we've put together a month-long series of prayer cards called 30 Days of Prayer for My Child. Each card contains a prayer theme, a verse that correlates with that theme, and a brief sample prayer to help you call upon God to be faithful to his word in light of your kids. To grab a set of your own, head to September and Co. Shop on Etsy. Pray for your kids today, because if you're not praying for them, who will be? Um, Lisa, you know, you're sharing about your grief when your daughter was first born. And what I know about grief is that it's not linear, doesn't travel in a straight line, and it can come on us in waves. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that the grief in those first few months, even the first year or two, is different than the grief that happened maybe a few years in. Did you see your emotions changing? Were there things that came later on that you had to sort of re-grieve that maybe the scar was ripped open again and there was the wound? Yes. Oh, that's a very good description of it too, because you're right. You kind of think you get to a place where at least I did, where I accepted um, who she was and what she would or would not be able to do. Um, And then occasionally, just often super unexpectedly too, you will come across something and just, you know, just the wave of grief washes over you. And I would cry when I realized that, oh, you can't do this, or this is a heartache. Um, a few examples, like we'll be after church, everybody was playing out on our yard and the kids were all jumping on the trampoline. And not only I was just sitting in our wheelchair, just watching the kids jump with obvious longing in mm. my eyes. And it just hit me all over again that, that, um, that she's missing out and there's nothing I can do about it. And yeah. um, it's a very natural response. Um, and yet I, you know, we don't want to stay there. We, you know, it's not, on the one hand, I don't want to deny that grief because I think it's important to acknowledge it and, and to let it, like I said, kind of wash over you, but also to go, okay, but let's go back to what I'm thankful that she's still with us. I'm thankful that she has a wheelchair that she can get around in. So 
that's kind of how we mm. work through that as it comes up. And with that, are there things that you can um, celebrate? What does that look like? And, and where do you see the fruit or the victory in her days and in, in your day with her? How do you measure growth and, and celebrate that? So I think a big part of the grief that comes with a special needs child is that uh, grief of expectations um, mm -hmm. of real, uh, you know, dreams and um, your hopes for your child, which is again, very natural. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's a, it is a huge part of that. And then slowly reframing that. So you go, okay, I'm, you know, the things that I'm thankful for, I want to focus on those. But we also, at least with, with our, um, with our daughter, we, we really do put things ahead of her. And my husband is, this is his strength. Like he's so good at, at pushing her and encouraging her. So just for example, um, she, she had a feeding tube and so she could not eat by mouth, um, for many years, um, several years. And all the people at the hospital said, you know, once she's on a feeding tube for that long, there's no way she'll ever eat by mouth. She can't swallow. She doesn't have the ability. And we really desired that for her. And so every day my husband would put a little, little spoon of something into her mouth and she'd cough, choke, sputter, spit it out. And, um, she did this, he did this every day for three years. Mm. And I just said, honey, give it up. <laughs> Like she's obviously not going to do it. It's not working. We're not even making progress. It's not like it's, it's the same reaction every time. And, um, and he's like, Nope, I'm just going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. Like, okay, you do you babe, because mm -hmm. I just yeah. feel like we need to move on. And, um, and then one day she's just sitting in her little, little chair, her little special chair. And he gives her a little bit of applesauce and she just swallowed just like that. Wow. I thought, oh my goodness, she just <laughs> swallowed that. And, and then right after that, she swallowed more. And then by within weeks, she was eating whole cups of applesauce and, you know, not to give away the story, but now she, she eats everything by herself with her own, you know, own hand. And she um, chews up her food and eats salad, everything, you know, and I look back at my husband, I just go, you know what? I did not um, I didn't have the perseverance to do that and, or the faith, you know, mm -hmm. and you kept pressing on mm -hmm. and that was a huge victory. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, and, and that I was just, um, didn't, didn't have the vision for it. So I love, I love the fact that what the doctors told you when she was born, that none of that seems to have come true, that she wouldn't recognize you. She wouldn't speak. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do any of the things that she's doing. She, it seems like she's, doing so much more than they ever said she would do. That just seems miraculous to me. That is th that you did have the faith, you know, to believe that she would do so much more than they ever said she'd do. And that's, that is just incredible and wonderful and such a testimony to you and your husband and your family and the other children that just loved her where she was, but to see what she's accomplished and what she's doing, it's, it's just it's incredible. I just think it's beautiful. Yeah. So how does a mom with special needs, how do you encourage your, your child and, and keep the faith and just keep that forward focus with your faith? How do you, how do you do that? How do you maintain that? Well, we do want to encourage her to, um, to have faith and also to keep stretching and to, um, 
keep trying and, and, and not give in to self-pity. I think there's, mm-hmm. because you can imagine there's a good reason to have self-pity when you are um, limited in what you can, what you can do. Um, and so right from the get-go, we really wanted to avoid that. And so have compassion for her, but also focus on what you can do and putting mm-hmm. things forward of, yeah, you can do this. And I want you to keep trying and, um, and remembering that, that God has a beautiful future for you. And even, you know, sometimes I feel like when I talk about this, it almost sounds, you know, it's not unfeeling. So I hope you can hear my voice, the compassion and, and, and grief that we also have. But yeah. when, when she, like she has cried because she can't dance, you know, she sees yeah. all the kids that will go to a, like a country dance. We have a lot of those kinds of things with the homeschoolers here in our area. And she looks out there and she wants to do that, you know, and we'll tell her, we said, you're going to dance in heaven someday yeah. and your feet are going to be flying. And you know what? She receives that. She smiles at that thought. And, you know, and in the meanwhile, um, Matt will take her out there in her wheelchair and just twirl her around and, <laughs> and dance with her. And we just, we just want to um, be thankful for that and, um, and enjoy, enjoy the gifts that we have as well. Yeah. Lisa, we talk a lot about the power of prayer on our podcast, about praying specific scriptures over our kids. Are there any specific things that you find yourself praying for in light of your daughter? And how has prayer played a role in your parenting of her? I, I believe more than ever in the power of prayer, just because we certainly have seen it in, a, in, in miraculous ways. Uh, and I, I did want to say that in the beginning when Evelyn was born and everybody heard about her story and, um, and the prognosis, people all over, not just in our community, but the word just got out even around the world um, about this situation with this little baby. And, and, um, and people would say, I'm so sorry. I wish there was something we could do. We just pray for your family. We pray for Avonlea. And I just, I always want to say, you have no idea how much those prayers impacted mm. us and how in the darkest times in those sleepless nights, we felt this bubble of grace around us that we cannot even describe. And we mm. know that was the power of prayer. Mm. And so to just never underestimate that if, if God puts a child or a family in your heart, go ahead and pray. Even if they never know that that's what you were doing. Mm-hmm. I really believe that God answers those prayers and they feel it in a way that they just don't know who to give credit to, you know, other than the Lord. But so that was one thing. And, and then um, also in the power of prayer, for instance, um, when I heard that prognosis that she would never know me as her mom, I prayed that she would know me as her mom. That that broke my heart to think that she wouldn't know me as a parent. Um, and I pray that she would say mama. Like that was my, my prayer and that she would be able to, to say that. And as it turns out, like the Lord answered that prayer in abundance because she, <laughs> she says mama all day long <laughs> and, and she knocks my ear off constantly. She's like a, kind of a, like a five-year-old, you know, that five-year-old stage and like mama, 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 mama. That's kind of where she's kind of stuck in that stage all the time. And, and the, the kids and I laugh about it. We're just like, you know what, mom, you need to pray more specifically next time. <laughs> yeah, just, but, um, but God answered that prayer and he, um, and, and many other prayers and the ones that he is, you know, not answered. She's not, she doesn't walk and she's not 
going to walk um, at this point, it looks like. Um, we also can see God working in so many other ways and, um, and the joy that's come with her. Like, I wish, I wish when those doctors sat down and give you those prognosis, I wish they could add if they were a believer, our doctors weren't, um, but just that, but you have no idea what kind of joy she's going to bring your family or what kind of, mm -hmm. a kind of gift that she's going to be. Um, that's has nothing to do with um, the, the physical prognosis that you have. Mm -hmm. Do you have any words for the mom who's been praying and parenting and praying and parenting, but is still just so discouraged because it feels like her prayers aren't being answered or that it's a losing battle. What truths do you find yourself telling yourself in those dark moments where you just feel like, why am I even praying anymore? Hmm. It's such a, um, such a challenge to pray in faith and, and hope for the best for your child. And yet at the same time, accept, accept that like in, in our case, maybe accept that she's not going to walk or accept that um, those seizures aren't going to go away. Um, I mean, I always allow for miracles, but you also have to live in day-to-day -day reality. And, um, and so I, I think of putting my hopes just on that altar as well. And just saying, I'm going to, this is a sacrifice of praise. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to praise you today, even though this isn't what, even though this is the exact story that I would have written for myself or for my daughter. And, um, and I think you can do that um, out of obedience without the feelings behind it for a long time. Mm. And I believe personally, I believe that that counts with the Lord. I think he, I think if my child comes to me and says, okay, mommy, here's that toy that you said I couldn't play with, even though I know he really, really still wants it, but he's handing it over to me anyway. Like I, I look at that and I go, what a good, you know, what obedience that is to, to know that your feelings are in behind that. This is killing you just to hand that little toy over to me, even though I know you don't want to. Um, and so I think of that as in a childlike way with myself, with my own heavenly father, when I say, Lord, I am having a hard time handing this hope, this dream over to you. And, but I'm going to give it to you for your safekeeping and trust you to look after my heart and trust you to look after my child's. Before we close today, Lisa, I'm wondering if you would feel comfortable speaking directly to the moms listening and maybe just name a few things that have been so vital to you in keeping good health and um, staying faith forward and keeping good focus and not going so low into a very discouraging place as a mom of a special needs um, child that they can think upon today and focus on um, today and every day uh, to maybe um, that you've experienced and you can share, speak directly to them. Mm. Those are that's a good thing to, to consider. I, I think as a special needs mom, we, I mean, I think moms are just made this way. We want to do everything for our kids. And so when you have a special needs kids, you feel like now I have um, so much more responsibility to try to help them to fit in, to try to help them overcome um, all the different challenges that come with a variety of needs. Um, and yet even still, we have to make sure that we are pursuing the Lord. Yeah. that we are caring for ourselves because if we're not caring for ourselves, you can't care for your child. 
And I know we all know that, but I think we often need to be reminded of that. I do. And um, there are times where I, um, I know Avalea wants to be with me and I've had to say, you know what, you're going to have to just sit there because, um, and be by yourself, which she hates being by herself. Um, because the next 30 minutes, mom's going to be, you know, I'm going to be studying my Bible or I'm in prayer. It might even be like this afternoon, I scheduled a phone call with a girlfriend and I've just said, you know, from one to two today, you're, you're not going to be able to be with me. And that's hard to do because you think, oh, they're lonely. They already have so much going against them and they need me. But we also have to have that big picture of, and yet I need to be a healthy person. I need to be with the Lord. I need to be with my husband. I need to be working on my relationship with him. Um, and I make sure that I've got um, friendships that are supporting me, encouraging me, making me laugh. Um, you can forget to laugh sometimes. And those are important things too. And then part of that whole care too is, a, which we started off, we were taught, we did touch upon this, but communicating to your friends, to people you trust that are around you that might just not know what it is that you they can do for you and saying, Hey, could you, would you be comfortable with sitting with my child for an hour while I go for a walk or, um, whatever it is that, that they can help with and being willing to do that. I think it takes some willingness on our part to give up some things to, to make that happen. But it's, um, it's really the best thing for your child as well as for you. You know, as we're talking, I, and I don't know, I, I'm sure Jamie and Kate are, this has occurred to them also, you know, there's like different things that it, we allow to be attached to us with circumstances in life. I'm thinking there's a lot of guilt even though it's not a real thing that attaches to us. So therefore we operate out of that. We feel like, well, you know, I'm responsible. So I, for this child, so I, I can't leave them or I, I shouldn't do this. And um, I feel guilty if they have to feel bad. So I'm going to do everything in my power to comfort them when um, maybe that's one of those things that a lot of special needs moms are operating out of. And, you know, I'm sure there's so many scripture uh, verses and practical things, but I'm sure a lot of moms of special needs children can identify with that. And it makes me think that maybe you should write a book on 100 affirming words or prayers for special needs moms, um, because that would probably be so welcomed in many homes. Hmm. That's a good suggestion. I actually will consider that. So that's mm -hmm. a good idea. I wanted to encourage all the moms listening that if you are walking through a journey like this, uh, to reach out to Lisa or to us, we will um, post all of her links on our website, momtomompodcast.com. Lisa wrote a post we came across on club31women.com on 11 special life lessons I've learned from our special needs girl. And I'd encourage you to read that. Um, they are great great uh, topics and things to cover. And you'll be blessed by all that she writes and shares, I know. Um, in the next coming weeks, we will be sharing our last two episodes for season three of mom to mom podcast. We'll be talking about helping your kids through disappointments. And our last episode of season three will be on sibling rivalry, which I'm sure we all have experienced most every day of the week in our homes. So be sure to tune into that. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. 